The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few notes of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is show pop. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Show Call. I'm your host, Chad Allen. My guest today is a hospitality manager for Live Nation Global Touring, as well as a VIP event manager for CID Entertainment. She's toured the globe with artists such as Josh Groban, Mumford & Sons, and U2. Welcome, Jamie Gooden. Hello, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah. How's, uh, how's, how's life? Uh, life is pretty good right now i've got an oak tree outside my house it's turning <laughs> orange and i'm um, hanging out with my cat <laughs> there <you go. laughs> nice yeah nice. so i mentioned yeah. a couple titles in the introduction uh-huh hospitality manager for live nation um and then as well as the the vip event manager for cid explain uh start with the uh the hospitality management for live nation describe that yeah, so I actually, so I got my start touring um, as a VIP assistant coordinator for Live Nation Global Touring um, with U2 on their 2017 Joshua Tree Tour. And um, I got on very well with the team. And in 2018, when they went out for Innocence and Experience, they wanted to bring me back out, but they didn't, because they were moving from a stadium tour to an arena tour because mm -hmm. they were two different tours. They didn't, they didn't need two VIP coordinators. Right. So, um, they actually found a position for me working as the hospitality manager. So I worked specifically with the tour director, tour coordinator and artist management to help curate hospitality spaces for the band's, um, guests and friends and family. So, that it looked very similar to the VIP role that I was previously familiar with and the role that I moved into with um, CID Entertainment as well, um, in the sense that I was working with the venues to find spaces that we could host events. Um, I was given, you know, a, a number of guest expectations, and then we would plan food and beverage based around that. Um, the primary difference is that, um, with the VIP role, uh, guests are all paying a premium uh, ticket price mm -hmm. as a part of the experience to be there. And it comes with like an exclusive gift and, um, you know, other benefits for paying that premium ticket price. The main difference with the hospitality role um, is that I was catering to the artists, um, friends and family and guests of management and of the tour itself. And so I was taking care of, um, you know, other like a premium guests as well. Um, but just a different, um, invited guests. Yep. Now does that invited. number, that number of VIP people set mm -hmm. vary from like 10 to 200 or what's the average number of VIPs that you you're responsible for taking care of at a show? Um, I mean, it varies. Um, I can sometimes I'll curate up to, you know, 
six different spaces with as you know um with a guest count you know that's in the teens spaces you, more... you mean their party room like the space where they go to have their like yeah chips food and, and beer drinks. Yeah. yeah cool okay. mm-hmm. yeah okay. so sometimes that um like i could host very intimate ones um and sometimes they can be up to you know five six seven hundred people mm-hmm. um and it just kind of it, it varies on the market so um you know if somewhere like chicago is going to have you know is going to be a much more robust party than perhaps you know louisville but then again you get some surprises and you're just like oh you know um yeah raleigh is very very popping (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah. how many people on the staff with you on tour like typically on like an arena size um i think i they're like typically like on the on the arena tours that i've been on i think there's like eight buses with like approximately 10 people per bus so there's about 80 so and like um and then 80 80 people in your in your staff not not the whole touring staff but your your vip staff i'm sorry no you're fine (laughs) that's okay oh okay (laughs) no um on the touring staff so it um one to two people so so just one or two of you on the tour taking care of a vip Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, as the hospitality manager, I, um, I work pretty independently, um, and I'll work kind of in conjunction with like the tour coordinator, um, as my primary support and supervisor. And Mm -hmm. as a VIP event manager, um, I've both worked on tour as an assistant to someone kind of in the primary advance role. And then, with CID Entertainment, I kind of moved into um, the more primary role myself. And then on Mumford & Sons, I had um, one colleague, um, my friend Colin, um, who worked with me. And then on, on Josh Groban, we had a really large program on that as well. So I worked with a woman named Heidi. Yeah. Um, but I've also worked independently um, with them as well on AWOL Nation. And then I did work briefly on the um, shed tours with Mumford and Sons um, independently. Cause okay. Yeah. Um, but day of show, I will hire anyone from, I'll hire anywhere from like two to six staff members to help support day of show functions. Local, so, local staff people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So local staff um, in each market, I will hire yeah two to two to six people, depending on the size of the event. Um, to help with the check-in process, to help with transporting guests from check-in to the event space or... And something else uh, that that they do is, is you guys have to like stuff all those bags full of all the gifts and the special things for the, for mm -hmm. the guests. And you, you, you gotta line them up and, you know, like a hundred, 200 bags of all that stuff, right? Yeah. So some we'll have like an extreme amount of gift bags to stuff sometimes. I think like one of the largest ones was in Paris. I think I had like 1500 bags to stuff. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It just, Um, you just form the assembly line and just get them stuffed. Right. 
Yep. Yeah. You just like, um, you just make an assembly line and you just move through pallets of, you wow. know, stuffing them and product and yep. Yeah. And just putting them in there. Uh, so, um, so yeah, the local staff will help with, um, you know, stuffing the gift bags, prepping the party room. Um, sometimes we'll hire stage hands to help with like, um, getting gear off the truck. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, like setting up some of the larger equipment but when it comes to like you know just what kind is of the some of the yeah what is some of that larger equipment you're talking about yeah so on mumford and sons i traveled with um like 13 different road cases and mm-hmm. um wow. we had two pool tables two foosball tables um touring had... pool tables and touring foosball tables that's awesome. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it was amazing. Awesome. So we we set up the pre-show party um, that we would have for the guests um, was kind of meant to be kind of this like pub experience. And so very cool. Um, yeah. So we traveled with um, all all of this like really intense gear. I, I hadn't traveled previously with that much, um, yeah. but it always like it translated so well um in terms of like the event experience like people mm. loved the party yeah um but it was it was it was very laborious to put it together <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god the, i can't imagine the first time i saw the pool case uh the pool table road case i was like oh i have two of those and so is it <laughs> like yeah so it's just a pool table. i mean you don't actually take it out of the bottom part you just lift the lid off the top of of that case and then do you well, take the whole thing out, like lift an entire we, pool table in and out every single take, show? Yeah, we did that every single show. Um, oh my god! And how many people like does that, do? Do people just gather around this pool table and lift it out and place it? So we actually got it down to a science. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our um, like our office manager who assisted like the product. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, what that role is called um my project manager at the office who kind of helped facilitate putting um this event together and what it was going to look like on the road they when they had the road cases custom built for these pool tables they also put together a video of what like taking them apart and putting them together would look like and that was super super helpful for us on the road and is that on youtube somewhere that we can check out (laughs) no unfortunately not no (laughs) it's not but well if you find um, a video of that send it to me i want to see how they do that (laughs) yeah it was it was super helpful because i was like oh this is how you could do this with like two to three people because the first time i saw it it was like holy smokes like you know i'm five (laughs) foot three like uh, this thing this thing was like two of me in height and i was like ah okay (laughs) (laughs) so what's the biggest difference between hospitality manager and vip manager um i think the two like the biggest difference would be that um as a hospitality manager i'm primarily interfacing like with back of house um so that would be like okay staff and staff guests and artists and artist guests whereas uh vip event manager i'm primarily interfacing with front of house so that's like you know ticketed guests so that's like the two i mean both are ticketed guests but one is um an invited guest versus um like a uh 
I see. Okay, yeah. Like a paid premium ticket price. Yeah. Like the band's kids and parents and personal, yeah, close could, personal friends. Yeah, it could be anyone from that to, um, you know, maybe just someone that they had like a good encounter with um, that they invited to. So, mm-hmm. um, and so it just, um, so it just kind of varies. And sometimes um, it could be people that they're traveling with. It could be people that they've met in a city, people that they have a, you know, a historical relationship with in those communities that we're, you know, going to. Um, so it could be a variety of different things. So I would say that that's the biggest difference is that one is predominantly like working with back of house versus like one is predominantly working with front of house. And it's a nice balance to have too. Um, because, you know, sometimes when you're, you're back of house, like, uh, and you don't have as much guest engagement with the front of house, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of get caught up in like the back of house scene and like the lifestyle of like being on the road and back there. Yeah. And then, um, and then it's kind of nice to transition sometimes and see like the excitement, uh, in the fans yeah. faces, uh, who've, who've paid for these like, you know, really premium experiences and yeah. you get to build friends and, you know, relationships with, you know, fans that come out to, you know, several events. Um, yeah. I had a handful of those on Mumford and Sons and, um, it was really fun to see them like in each city and like build those relationships with them and like hear their stories around yeah. the artists. Cause it's just, it's, it's two totally different worlds. Absolutely. And totally different perspectives of, you know, being on the road. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so like when you're hospitality manager backstage, but you're not, you're not overseeing catering either. Right. You don't have to like oversee that. And then, and then the actual, you know, dressing room writers and, and things like that. Right. No, there's somebody else that does that. Um, okay. I mean, I, I've I've done that before. Um, sure. I mean, and sometimes the the role can encompass that. Mm-hmm. Um, but predominantly, no. I I mostly take care of um, kind of like larger spaces for right. um, for guests. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I I've had to oversee catering um, for crew and artists and, you know, artist dressing rooms as a hospitality manager when I was in festivals. Yeah. Um, But the thing that's nice um, about being on tour and specifically with, you know, productions, the size of Mumford and Sons and U2 um, and Josh Groban is that the roles are a little bit more um, defined. And so you don't have to wear quite as many hats. Because mm-hmm. there's more, um, it's just a larger operation to allow for more support. So you have somebody that, you know, can over oversee catering specifically for crew and artists yeah. and somebody to look after guests, um, yeah. you know, both in a front of house capacity and then in a back of house capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to, you know, there's less room for error when you have to, when you don't have to juggle as much. And so that's nice. Yeah, um, that is, that is nice. Mm-hmm. What's it, yeah. uh, what time do you typically get started in the day? What time do you get out of your bunk? You know, you make your coffee or whatever and, and, and go on about your day. Yeah. Um, that sometimes can depend on production's load and schedule. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say average. I like to get up 
around 8 a.m. Um, okay. Breakfast around like 9 and then start work by like 9.30, 10 Um I always, whenever I build out my day, I think of uh, what time doors are. So, if, okay. you know, if yep. it's a if, if it's a 6 p.m. door, I think about what time is my event pre-doors or is it post, is it after doors open? Yep. And then I kind of, I look at the timeline of the actual event that I'm hosting, which mm-hmm. is separate almost entirely from the concert itself, um, because it happens it typically happens before um i've not had a post post show um vip event um so i kind of build my schedule around that whereas everybody else like the their function and role on tour is to build their day around the time the artist walks onto (laughs) stage like my biggest moment of the day is like when am i opening doors um like when, when am I kind of like, you know, checking in everybody and when does uh, that experience start for me? So yeah. I will kind of like work backwards from there. So usually like, you know, the first I was fortunate that I worked with Helen Knox on yeah, my love first Helen. tour. Yeah. And she was and she's been a, you know, a huge inspiration and yeah. had so much knowledge to impart on me and Mm -hmm. um so she kind of was able to like how like I felt like that was such a huge advantage going into my next tour because I kind of understood how to structure my day based on the experiences that I learned from her Mm -hmm. and had I walked into that just independently um I I don't think that I would have necessarily had that insight to structure my days or build out my day sheets and kind of the way that I look at them. Yeah, she's so. she's great to work with, you know, and oh, she, yeah. the things that, that she knows and she hustles, she's amazing. And you know what's funny? I still have uh, my uh, the alarm on my phone set to, uh-huh. I mean, it's not on, but it's still there as an option to remind Helen what time dinner is. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. From down in. Yeah. Well, because that's <laughs> the thing is, so our like the VIP fun- or the VIP functions would typically happen when the crew catering yeah. dinner would be. Mm-hmm. And so if we didn't provide catering, I mean, there's very rare instances in which catering wasn't provided as a part of the VIP experiences. And sometimes we would just we would eat whatever catering was left over after the event happened. Um, But if we couldn't, it it would be things like, you know, calling into you over the radio to (laughs) be like, please don't forget to make me a to-go box. Otherwise our next meal might not be until after show pizza. (laughs) Yeah. After show pizza. And so, um, cause yeah, the busiest part of our day, I would say is between like, you know, four and 8 p.m., which is sure. probably, yep. I feel like, a lull for most everyone else on the crew. Because mm-hmm. at that point, you know, stage has been... Yeah, bands on stage playing and, yeah. Yeah, so it's like they, they, they've built the stage, they've checked the lights and sound, and, and you know, maybe the band has sound checked, maybe they haven't quite yet, but everybody's yep. kind of got a lull. But, like, we're in full swing at that point, like, prepping yep. for our doors and making sure, like, okay, party's about to happen. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like we're we're ready to talk to 500 people right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. It, it can be. Yeah. Um and it's always nice to have a glass of wine after. <laughs> a glass? A glass. Uh, me, a I've... it's a, a very healthy pour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very healthy um, 14 ounce pour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So so when does your day end? When do you wrap it up and head back to the bus? Um again, that can vary, but I feel like I was pretty fortunate on my last two tours that my day would end um sometimes before the artist was even off stage um so i would get my gear packed up and i would get everything pushed to the trucks and depending on where the trucks was like trucks were located like i would either a stage them and then Mm -hmm. you know take a bit of a break and kind of work on any like end of day reports and recaps and accounting that I needed to finalize um, from the comfort of the bus, or I would just push everything on right away and then not have to worry about it. And then I could call myself done. And then, um, but I never really considered my day like truly done until after the artist had left the building and I was able to get a shower in. Which could be (laughs) one, two in the morning, probably. Not, Fortunately, it was never usually that late, like oh, 11, cool. 30, midnight, um, yeah. 12, 30, maybe at the latest. Yeah. You know, so, when, I, when I first started, um, you know, the, the younger bands I noticed would hang out longer, mm-hmm. you know, and I always thought that was kind of cool. Like, oh, man, that's awesome. You know, and then as, as time goes on and at, at the older bands, they leave faster, like a lot of times just bolt right after the show. I was like, man, oh. they left so fast. And now, now that I'm older, <laughs> I always appreciate when the artists. I'm like, yeah, I would get the hell out of here too. <laughs> yeah, I and feel we like, can wrap it up a little quicker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I got very fortunate in my touring experience. Like, I feel like I'm very fortunate in my touring experience in the sense that, like, I I've toured with such a high integrity of artists mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, the like there hasn't been this, you know, the the partying all night, you know, waiting for yeah. the artist to like I definitely experienced that like working in festivals prior to switching over to touring. Yeah. Um, and I I appreciate an earlier night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my god, me me too. Like, <laughs> I, I I was like, oh, uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, it's 11 p.m. and I'm done. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I was like that. I was like, ooh, I, that doesn't feel very like rock and roll. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> like, I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah, happy to get more than four hours of sleep. Exactly. Yeah. So you were uh, once considered the AWOL Nation touring mom, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I was. I was a bit of a um, yeah, a touring um, mom. I was. Uh, I was hired through CID Entertainment to be the VIP um, event manager for that, and um, Dan, the tour manager, um, coach. Uh, he asked if I would mind wearing um, two hats on that tour yeah. and assisting as his production assistant as well. Yeah, and. Um, 
at first I was like, I, I ran it by CID. They said, as you know, if I felt comfortable with it, then they were comfortable with it, which I was happy that, you know, Wendy gave me her support on that. Like mm -hmm. I've been super, um, fortunate to work with like a lot of really encouraging and strong yeah. people and yeah. um that don't really shy away from like letting me pursue you know things that i'm interested in and yeah. kind of help so um she was like yeah it's like you want to do that you should do that and i talked with coach a bit more about it and mm -hmm. um and at the first show i was like oh i don't know if i can actually do this it was i was i it was my first tour working independently of of helen um mm -hmm. you know it wasn't my first gig but in some ways it, it did feel like that and um it was a new crew to me yeah. and i kind of I, I spoke to dan after the first show I, was like, I don't know if i can do both and he's like well you got to figure it out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um and we did and and i and i loved it and i felt like i don't know i yeah. it was uh it was a lot of responsibility and it was a lot of work sure. doing both roles even though it's a that was a theater tour right that was a theater tour yeah yeah um and even though it's I, a smaller venues smaller staff that uh, you still have the same amount of responsibilities correct yeah i i did i still had the same amount of responsibilities in my um in my vip role and then i had additional responsibilities working with Dan and I felt like uh, my days were longer, Yeah, but they were also really rewarding. I felt like I got to get to know the crew and the support crew and yeah. the artists in a way that like, I didn't have an opportunity to on the larger, um, arena and stadium tours and yeah. so that was that was a really nice change of pace um and it was a, it was a shorter stint as well mm -hmm. um and so it was it was a really it was nice to have that experience of um i don't know like it was a smaller intimate more experience but yeah. i yeah. got to kind of explore some different responsibilities and, and like skills that I had and interests that I had. Um, yeah. cause being a production assistant is like something I am definitely interested in and, sure. um, and, like interested in exploring more and was hoping to kind of, you know, transition towards maybe doing a little bit more of that in 2020. And sure. obviously we know that things have changed. Yeah. Um, a little bit. <laughs> um, but it, I, I like the I like having a variety of different uh skills to kind of draw on on tour and like mm -hmm. make yourself kind of, you know, indisposable and valuable to the people around you. Right. Um yeah. while doing something you're interested in. So yeah. um yeah, it was it was fun. I got to learn like, you know, who liked mustard on what and who <laughs> didn't like mayo and like, you know, um and memorize just these like small yeah. like idiosyncrasies of like, you know, what bus wanted labats and like didn't <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. so speaking of was, which what are some of your requirements on the bus some of my requirements on the bus yeah you um, know like do you prefer i don't know like creamy peanut butter and and certain type of you know what are some of the the things that you like having with you on the bus yeah so i think um 
my the one thing that I always ask for is avocados. Yeah, <laughs> I love <laughs> I love avocados. Um, uh, if uh, catering doesn't have them out, I usually mm-hmm. always ask for them on the bus so I can yeah. bring them, or I'll usually go find someone from the catering team and just be like, "May I please have an yeah. avocado?" <laughs> okay. um, yeah, there you go. So I I like that. Um, but I'm I'm pretty flexible. I've always kind mm-hmm. of like deferred to my bus mates um yeah so i mean while i've had a handful of tours i still feel like relatively new mm-hmm. um and i you know again with like the artists that i've worked for i've had a huge like i've had an opportunity to work with a lot of like veteran touring professionals yeah. and mm-hmm. so i feel like you know, when asking for things, I always want to be mindful of, you know, what are their needs and accommodations first. Sure. And I'm usually pretty agreeable. I'm a pretty adaptable person, but yeah, I do like an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not asking for much. I mean, no. And I mean, like, and a healthy pour of wine at the end <laughs> of the night. <laughs> but I won't argue if it's a beer instead. So. <laughs> How did you get started in the industry? Um, I got started, I mean, like, I always had, like, a, you know, I feel like I always really loved music. I started, you know, working with my friends, bands, and in the community in Ann Arbor at this, like, local teen center called The Neutral Zone, which is still around, and it's a youth center that kind of helps promote um, youth leadership through arts. Mm-hmm. And so they have like a youth run record label, a youth run music venue. They, you know, the kids that were involved with it would be a part of the grant writing process and work with, you know, supervisors and adult um, mentors to kind of write the grants that got the scholarships to keep these programs funded too. And right. so when I was like 14, um, my grandparents took me to a, youth or like a like a youth camp for girls in music and it was called rebel girls and it was basically like run by a bunch of riot girls um and it was in ann arbor it was like 2002 mm-hmm. and um you know i i went in like i had just moved to ann arbor i didn't really know anybody and they thought like oh we'll drop her off at this music camp and she'll make some friends and stuff like that and i like walked away and I was like, I'm going to play bass and I'm not shaving my legs anymore. <laughs> and I think, they, 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 I think that they were like, they're like, Oh God, what have we done? Um, and it, it turns out that like, I wasn't, I wasn't very, I wasn't very disciplined at playing bass. Um, <laughs> but I did have like a, a very keen interest in just being around music. And so mm-hmm. I kind of started there and then through taking bass lessons, which I was not very good at um, because I didn't practice, but I really, I, I really loved my bass teacher and yeah. the music that he, he introduced me to some of my favorite bands. Um, but he also introduced me to ghostly international, which was a record label run out of Ann Arbor um, by a guy named Sam Valenti. And I was like 14 when I got my first internship Um just like mailing CD promos to like college radio stations with ghostly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And 
from there, I was like, you know, I just want to keep doing this. And I didn't know, like, I didn't really know like what I wanted to do in music. I just knew I wanted to be around it. And um, I went to Columbia College in Chicago and pursued a degree in um, art and event management. And when I graduated in 2011, I, you know, had helped Columbia produce some events in Chicago mm -hmm. and down at South by Southwest. And there was a really, really robust uh, festival scene um, happening in Chicago around 2012. Yeah. And I got involved with a promoter there and started working with them on kind of this like hospitality management role, um, yeah. which it wasn't really even defined as at the time. Like it was just, it was, you know, nobody, we didn't really know what it was. We were all kind of very new to it and I didn't really have any mentorship. Um, and, and so I just, I, you know, I worked really hard in those festival roles and I then got introduced to Helen and then it kind of just spiraled from there, you know, mm -hmm. um, anytime Helen came through Chicago, um, to work an event, um, after we, I think it was the Eagles maybe was the first it might have been Journey. I, I can't remember. Um, it was back in like 2013 or so. Mm -hmm. um, I was just her. I was her. Lo I was her local VIP assistant, and we just got on super well. And yeah. I really admired her. And um, we would work together whenever she came to town. And then, yeah. you know, in 2017, um, I was stepping away from festivals. Um, I was kind of exhausted. Um, yeah. and I wanted to kind of try something different. I felt like this is going to sound silly, but like, I felt like I missed an opportunity to tour. I felt like I was too old. I was 27. Yeah. I felt oh like, God. <laughs> I, like, I thought I like, wish okay, I was 27. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was 27 at the time. And I thought, okay, well, if I haven't started touring by now, then like, it's just not going to happen. Like, yeah. every, I feel like everybody that I knew that was successful, um, that or that I perceived to be successful in touring had like been touring since they were like 19 yeah, and yeah. um you know and I was like oh well it's just not a thing that like I just don't have the you know the skills or whatever to translate to take it over to there and then um and so I was telling Helen that like I was like you know maybe looking at a job and like um like production management for like real estate and mm -hmm. she was like no 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 think <laughs> <laughs> she calls me and you know she was like i've got something better that you should try yeah um and she was like why don't you come work with me and and be my assistant mm -hmm. and and that was that was joshua tree uh tour in 2017 okay. the joshua yeah. tour. and um and then it's just kind of like spiral I, I was like falling in love with it all over again i was like yeah. oh my gosh like this is, this is great. <laughs> so, uh, working with one artist is very different than like working with like, you know, 300 over the course of three days. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I like the consistency um, with that. Yeah. I was like, I will gladly do three months away <laughs> yeah. with one, with one or two artists, yep. um, instead of trying to cram couple hundred artists you, into a weekend like, yeah i, I, like, I kind of like the the cramming the bunch of them in um because you experience different things yeah. but 
but I, yeah, the consistency of, you know, the one artist, you, you know what to prepare for, you know what to get ready for, and you just kind of like get it in your mind. And yes, I feel like the festivals worked and like that environment worked really well for me in, in my twenties. But now as I'm like transitioning into my thirties, like Mm -hmm. I, I like the consistency a bit more. Wait till um, you transition into your forties. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like consistency more? You get out of the bunk and you're like, "Oh, that hurts now." Uh, uh, okay, and, and yeah, so like the consistency a lot more. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the most exciting part of your job? Um, I think the most exciting part is the freshness mm-hmm. of waking up somewhere new. Like, uh, I don't yeah. know if I'll ever get over the thrill of that. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really exciting. Um, it could be, you know, I mean, like it, it, it could be just regionally in the States or it could be, you know, somewhere international. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something really exciting about waking up in a different place and like yeah. knowing that like overnight you, you know, you ended up somewhere new yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face? Biggest challenges? Um, I mean, probably personal life. I have a really hard, I mean, like, I feel like this is a pretty common one, but I have a hard time, like, of, like, work-life balance because... Mm-hmm you know, when you're on the road, you kind of live on the road. Um, like w- the lines between like work and personal time, like get really blurred. Um, yeah. and so, you know, stepping off of the road, whether it's, um, you know, just like a couple week break or a couple months or yeah. now like a, a very long interrupted period, um, kind of like building like a static community versus like having that dynamic community yeah i find to be really challenging Mm -hmm. um so i i can easily get caught up in like the excitement and it's remembering to like i mean one of the best pieces of advice that i ever received was um to spend more time alone and Yeah. yeah i didn't really understand what that meant um until i started um, spending time by myself. Like I didn't, you know, I think building camaraderie with my crewmates and having like a glass of wine or some beers after is really great. But then I didn't really understand the value of just like maybe turning into my bunk early and, Mm -hmm. you know, reading or taking a day off. And instead of, you know, seeing what somebody's up to, to keep busy, like maybe just like spend the day like eating pasta in bed and watching Bridget Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like that's the biggest challenge for me was um, you know, finding that like mm-hmm. that balance. Yeah. And so. it's definitely a hard thing to do. You know, living the tour life, it definitely makes it challenging to have, you know, your home life, marriage life and and, you know, it's hard to having kids you know, in a love life and, and, but some people can pull it off. You know, I know, I know some people that have been married 20 years, you know, and they tour all the time and, and, you know, they make it work, but 
some people tour all the time and and it just it's it's really hard to make uh make the family life thing work you know yeah i mean it it's like i mean family life in you know any regard i have um i have a kid sister and mm-hmm. i feel like i you know she's 15 and we did not get to spend a lot of time together because I spent like, you know, the last 10 years living in Chicago and then like working the festival circuits and then, mm-hmm. and then touring. And, you know, I, I've been living at home with her and my dad and my, um, my stepmom Carol, and I've had the opportunity to like really lean into those relationships in mm-hmm. a way that I hadn't really looked at um right. as an adult yet and that's mm-hmm. been really that's been really really sweet um yeah. and I, when i approached 2020 um like i was already kind of going into the year thinking that i wanted a better balance mm-hmm. um but then the pendulum swang the entire yeah. like so yeah. far the other direction yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> i was like you can't, this is what you want for, like, this is what you get for wanting nice things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. like, you can't have, yeah. you can't have the dream job and the dream personal right, life. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the mistakes that you've made in the past? Um, some of the mistakes. I think um, trusting the wrong people um, okay. is some of the mistakes that I've made, um, leaning into, um, like leaning into the wrong, uh, friends and colleagues for support. Um, that's been a mistake that I think I made early, mm-hmm. early on. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I've, I mean, I've also like definitely, um, made a mis you know i i don't know i'm i'm i've made a i've made tons of mistakes (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know oh man that's a whole nother episode for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i feel like there's so many like what ones are like what ones can i articulate um no but i that makes sense i mean you know you you buddy up with someone or you know you kind of vent to the wrong person sometimes because you trust that person and you know, then, then word might get around like, Hey, you know, I heard you were, you know, and it's just like, God, I was just venting and that's all, you know, and, or, you know, you just, you rely on someone to do a certain job and, and and then they just don't do it, you know, and it kind of, you know, might ruin your day or, or make your day a lot harder for sure. And no, I totally get that. That's, you know, but you, you, you learn through time, you know, different things to watch out for in people, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, um, you know, one of the other mistakes they made is like, you know, taking things personally, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my um, God. I work around chefs a lot. (laughs) You can't take things personally. (laughs) No, no, you can't. Like you have to be like, I mean, like, I don't want to say like thick skinned, but like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Um, like one of like, uh, I really love Brene Brown. She's like yeah, a, yeah. she's an author. And mm-hmm. like one of the things I just reread Braving the Wilderness by her. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd read it a couple of years ago and then I just recently reread it. And one of the things that she said was like soft front, strong back. Yeah. And 
the quote ends with wild heart but like Mm -hmm. the the part that i really loved was like soft front strong back and i was like oh like you know staying vulnerable to the right people but like having you know a strong back in like trusting your instinct on these things too and i think that that like that's a much better way of putting like thick skinned is like Mm -hmm. sometimes like in the moments like you know we live a very concentrated lifestyle in the sense that like you know being on the road it can it, it can be an overdose of like work and you know, emotions because you're working long hours and, you know, you, you live on like a moving house in with very little personal (laughs) space. Um, you know, sometimes the only boundary you have, like the only physical boundary you have is a a curtain that might not even pull all the way shut. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, it's important to like maintain like, you know, your strong back and that, and just like, you know, know yourself. So, yeah. And not take everything personally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your favorite city? <laughs> my favorite city. In the world. Yeah. In the world. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Ooh, I don't. Oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, now, okay. I... So you've been, oh. you know, Europe. Obviously, the states, Mexico. You've toured South America. What, yeah, where where I guess, am I missing? Um, I I did um New Zealand, Australia, and Asia, right. parts yep. of Asia. Okay. Um, yep. I or top three. Give me your top three favorite. Your top top three. Okay. I well, let's see. Probably Seoul, Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some of the best experiences in Seoul. Um, I really love New Zealand. Auckland was really fantastic as well. Um, uh, let's see where else. Um, I don't, I had a lot of, I don't, they're all so good. I don't know. Um, and I, Dublin was fun, you know, like it's just like, (laughs) I don't know, fun people and all around just like a fun city. Um, And yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question because (laughs) I think, and that's like the hardest part about touring. And I think that would be the hardest part about like, if if anyone's like, would you ever like leave it? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know because I've had the opportunity to like build these like little communities in um, all of these cities. Yeah. That I was like, oh, how do I pick? Like when we were in Japan last year, we were out at um this um this very, very small bar that like could maybe fit like eight people in it. And we met yeah. this woman there. And then it turned out she was DJing at a rooftop bar in Seoul. Oh, cool. Like yeah. two nights later, and I bumped yeah. into her at the airport and <laughs> She was like, come to the, like, I was too tired. I feel like it was, you know, I should have gone, but I was like, I just need to sleep. Um, But it was just so cool. It was so fun to like bump into her and like see her. And I was like, it's just like, I feel like that's just such a cool, fun experience. And so I'm like, oh, how can I pick between like Tokyo and Seoul now? Because they're both so good. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite tour that you've been on? Ooh. um. 
Well, I feel like... And it's not like... that the other ones were bad. Right. You know, no, just no, no, what's no. your, you know, the one that sticks out the most. Um, well, I feel like Joshua Tree probably yeah. sticks out the most, probably yeah. because it, it was, it was my first, um, tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that sticks out the most as being, um, you know, my favorite. And that also like, you know, I was also then went on to work with that crew, um, mm-hmm. for two more tours and two more years. Yeah. So that, um, what was your favorite but, leg of that tour? <laughs> ooh, okay, it would have, it would have been the 2019. Uh, oh come Australia. on! I Give mean, me like, a break! I, I thought you were going to say I, the South America South leg America. when I, I was no, there, that, but whatever. <laughs> no, South America was good, and yeah, no, that was so good. Um, I'm just messing with you. I will never forget going out in Santiago with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man, that was that was one of the that was one of my favorite nights ever. That I it's so that Helen and I actually we were just catching up on the phone the other day and yeah. we were talking about that night and I was like, you know, I think the only time that I've actually like seen her truly and genuinely mad at me was the next day. <laughs> because yeah. she was like, you know, she's like you did your work and you kept your head down, but like yeah. She's like you were just she was like you were useless. <laughs> you think you caught hell the next day? Oh my god. <laughs> it was oh man. We she and I had a good laugh about that. And she was like, Oh yeah, it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, sorry, I'm just reliving some of that insanity and wow. <laughs> so some I, other time we'll we'll talk more about that yeah another that was, another episode or or another another conversation because yeah wow that was a that was a good one um yeah. but i think um i got to see parts of the world that like yeah. i never thought i would see on the 2019 leg of sure. joshua and Tree. that was in mostly in europe the, right Oh no, that was in no, um okay. Australia, um, That's New right. Zealand yeah. and um in parts of Asia. Gotcha. Um, okay, yeah. Just like yeah, I feel like people like I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but like um I feel like you put together these bucket lists of like place that you places that you like you want to travel. Mm-hmm. And Joshua Tree, you know, took me to places that weren't even on the top 25 bucket list you know yeah. you've only got so yeah. much time to travel to and so much financial resources to travel over the course of like your life yeah. and right. um so you put together a places of like that you want to prioritize and see and mm-hmm. joshua tree just took me places that like i didn't even know that i wanted to go there sure um yeah. like all over like south america and europe and the united states and then like australia asia and new zealand so yeah 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 what was the last thing you did before the shutdown was it did you work locally or were you on a tour so the last thing that i worked um before the shutdown was a show with um josh groban down on down in florida Mm -hmm. on march 11th okay so um we had where were we? I believe we were in Orlando. Um, yeah, I think the last event was wow. in Orlando. Wow. And the event, like the 
we kind of like, you know, it was like a week or so before everything shut down, you know, like, yeah, I remember like the day after that show, we had a day off and that morning, like I got news that, you know, like, uh, some tours were canceling and Coachella was being postponed and, you know, the crew, we were all kind of just like, we were confused. We were just like, well, yeah. you're like, you know, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're just like, we were just, it was just, it was confusing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that show itself, like, you know, there was a bit of confusion between the event, like, you know, like how serious is this? Um, but everybody was so lovely. Like, yeah, I don't, it was just like one of the most, it was, it was a really fun venue to work at. And yeah. the local staff that I worked with, like, um, a couple of them were familiar faces that I'd worked with like in years prior. And just like, I don't know, it was a night. It was a really fun experience, yeah. but I think had I known, um, I would have perhaps like, instead of, going back rushing back to the bus like i might have stood in the back of the theater and like yeah. watched the show mm -hmm. so wow because um, yeah. i think that that's one thing that you know that varies with the rest of from the rest of the crew is that like i'm not working on the con like the concert performance itself in any of my roles um yeah. and so sometimes like I forget to just jo go and enjoy and, and watch and participate in yeah. the thing that I am like a very small piece of putting together. Yeah. Um, and because oftentimes I'm, I'm very exhausted from yeah. <laughs> right. like, I can't stand I, I anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I think of myself as like being like an introvert. And yeah. so like to exert that much energy on like in conversing and checking in and like mm -hmm. hosting people, yeah. like it takes a lot out of me. So sometimes yeah. I forget to go and just like experience the show itself. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, w I wish I would have taken that because I feel like, I don't know, Josh is a really incredible performer. Yeah, he is. What message do you have for the government officials in charge of the of the shutdown? Mm, I don't know if I have a message specifically for like the government officials. Um, but I think just like generally speaking, I think um, one of the things that I think is so unique and so important about music is just like the inextricable joy that you get mm -hmm. and connection you can feel like right. to complete strangers and to someone's very personal work. Yeah. Um, and I think that there needs to be like more, like we need to prioritize that more. Yeah. Um, like it needs to be like, you know, whether that's like a financial investment in like, you know, working with like small independently owned like music venues and clubs and artists to help yeah. support them during this or um, whether it's something else. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't think that like I have the skill set to advise on that. Sure. But yeah. I do think that like there needs to be just generally speaking, like a better investment, because I think that like it's 
I mean, one of the things that we lost during this pandemic is like our ability to connect. And I think that one of the things that is like so unique to music and so unique to the live music performance is its ability to connect seemingly, um, you know, unconnectable dots to one another. And I, I like, I think there needs to be more of that. And sure. So I I don't know. I agree. Yeah. So, well, Jamie, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, it's good talking to you again. Likewise. Hopefully, um, Thank you for yeah, having me. Hopefully, you know, we see each other soon. Hopefully in South America. I want to do that again. Yeah, let's go back to South America. <laughs> let's just go. I mean, concerts or no concerts. Let's just, let's get down there. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait to take a vacation. Yeah, <laughs> I look right. forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening to Show Call. To help save live events and the crew that make them happen, go to wemakeevents.org and tell your representatives how important live music is to you. That's wemakeevents.org. If you'd like to be on the show, contact us at guests at showcallpodcast.com. That's guests at showcallpodcast.com. If you have questions or would like to know more about what it takes to put on events, contact us at info at showcallpodcast.com. That's info at showcallpodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Google Play. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded every Monday and Thursday. See you next week. WeMakeEvents.org is not affiliated with Show Call Podcast and is not responsible for the views expressed by the show.